Welcome to the geek to geek podcast where it's demo day today. I'm Void and I'm here with my co-host Beige. Hashtag shiplap. I don't understand that, but okay. <laughs> demo day is, is from Fixer Upper, like Chip and Joanna Gaines. They love demo day and it's, it, it's, it's an HGTV thing. Like I'm, I love that show. I still have no idea what you're talking about, but today we are talking right. collectively us together about demos because we've been playing a lot of demos lately, basically. Yep. And I just kind of want to talk about like the place that they're at in the modern world, especially because I've been doing a lot of Gamefly to kind of like make my own demos. So yeah, you are the one with like the most recent acquisition of new systems. How are you feeling about demos, especially on like PlayStation 4? Well, I've always loved demos. That's the thing that that any system I get, I'm always looking at new demos. It Whether it's the PS4 that I just got, I went on yesterday, I think, whenever my nephew brought back our 2DS, I went on to see what, uh, if there were any demos I wanted on uh, 2DS there weren't and uh but i always i love demos i grew up playing demo discs i don't know if you guys remember demo discs but where you would buy a magazine in the 90s because there was no internet to download anything you would buy a video games magazine and you would have like four or five different demos that month that you could play for the playstation or the saturn and i just absolutely adored them because i mean i didn't have a lot of money i didn't play uh we talked about it before that that I rented a bunch and that a lot of kids did in those days and I didn't buy a lot. So playing those demos, I played them over and over and over again. So that still comes through today that I'm still like, oh, I wonder what demos there are to be able to check out. So I'm looking at PlayStation demos every every couple of days on the PS4 at least. That's interesting. I never like obsess about demos and like check them all the time, but I just I guess I wish there were more right now because it feels like there's yeah. less and less over time. Whereas there used to be a lot more demos back in I don't know, I guess it was yeah. more like physical media days. I mean, I'm I'm even thinking back to like do you remember that Crackdown 1 was a huge game because it came yes. with the demo disc for Halo 2 multiplayer uh-huh. beta? Well, yeah, I remember that one because my friends had it. Like they were they were playing Halo 2 at the time. I mean, they got the multiplayer demo. I mean, I remember back in 1997 or maybe it was 96 that Tobal number 1, the Square the uh, Squaresoft fighting game came with a demo of Final Fantasy 7. That is the only reason that game sold. Kind of the same way that Type 0 did with the Final Fantasy 15 episode Duske demo that uh otherwise it wouldn't have sold. It's kind of uh kind of fallen apart like that but yeah back in physical media days absolutely yeah i mean it was everywhere and and now it's just they aren't as plentiful as they used to be there's still some and i always like appreciate the ones that i can get my hands on um yeah. and actually the switch has been better for this than playstation really in my opinion yeah i mean like you and i wrote down a ton of demos we've played lately and we can run through some of them yeah but like you know I was trying to think, like, what have I even tried on PlayStation 4 recently that wasn't some kind of, like, preload multiplayer demo because I already bought a game, right? That doesn't really count in the same realm as actually having, like, a free demo. So even racking my brain, I could only think of Knack 2, which I tried, uh, Dread. And I don't even, like, I've seen it on there but i haven't tried it myself and uh really even i don't remember if you've told me about it and if you did if you did tell me about it i've completely and totally forgotten about it it is a notoriously bad first party playstation like platformer that's trying to appeal to kids and it's not very good so when i found out that they were doing a second one i had to try it basically 
Okay. Yeah. So yeah, completely like has gone my radar off my radar. No, it's it's not worth your time. But I tried it. Like I was really racking my brain to think of like what have I even tried for demos lately on PS4. So it was like Knack Two, uh, Dreadnought, which I'd already tried on PC, and then Dragon Quest Heroes Two. And like that's yeah. all I could think of. Everything else I've done through GameFly, and I have a whole list here I can fly through later of like all the GameFly games I've tried lately that are basically taking the place of demos, but. I've yes. had like such better luck on the Switch with stuff lately for pulling down demos and actually finding games that I don't know if I would ever go out of my way to like even rent from Gamefly, but then they actually end up being good. Yeah, and I mean, I thought that you pretty much got everything from Gamefly that had come out. Like that's something in my mind. You just get everything and try it like that. But I, I've been trying stuff on the PS4. I mean, I will say that I, I couldn't remember a lot of them, but PS3 and PS4, both of them. Like, have you tried the Marvel versus Capcom demo that they released on the PS4? Uh, no, I rented it and I actually played it. I didn't know there even was one. Oh, was one. it out? I didn't actually realize the game was out yet. Yeah. I thought it was still... Okay. Well, the, the demo was neat because it was a story. You didn't pick. You did all the way up through. You had multiple matches with multiple different characters up till you got destroyed by Ultron Sigma. And then it uh, prompted you to pre-order the game. And I... I played it a couple of times because I don't want to buy a fighting game. And uh, I downloaded the Prey demo where I really like the game and it was on sale that weekend and you and a lot of other people told me I would love it. But like I said, whenever I played it, I don't know if I like it enough to purchase right now, which is why I'm glad I tried the demo because the description of it made me think that I would absolutely adore it. Um, Parappa the Rapper. Have you, uh, do you remember Parappa the Rapper or was of that course. right? Like, no, I remember. Okay, okay. They did a PS4 remaster of this. I had no idea. I was just browsing through the demo store one day and I saw Parappa the Rapper, downloaded it, immediately loaded it up because it's like 30K or something. <laughs> no, it's bigger than that, but it's, it's de- instant download nowadays, basically. And my wife thought I was insane because I was singing along with like, kick punch block and uh it was like it was awesome like it's not a very good game going back to i don't i don't think it's nearly as good of a rhythm game as so many that have come after it but just the nostalgia for watching this in hd the demo was so worth downloading like and i've played the dragon quest heroes 2 demo and i didn't like it like i talked to you about that what did you think about it uh, it was basically what I expected. It was just it okay. was a hack and slash Muso game, you know, like in the Dynasty Warrior yeah. vein. There's not, I don't know. I I actually played the first one. I don't know if I bought it or if I rented it and I played it over the course of like a week. But I think I beat the first yeah. one, and this one felt like more of the same. And I just didn't. I don't know. I got my fill yeah. of that. That's totally understandable. That's that's kind of the way I feel about the about the that entire genre. The new Fire Emblem game, like Fire Emblem Warriors, I want to say, whatever, the Fire Emblem Musou game is coming out here in like less than a month now. And I know because I've loved the last couple Fire Emblem actual strategy games that I will be picking up that in some form or another and playing through it, whether it's a rental or actually buying it. So it's like, I don't need that much hack and slash at the moment. And, you know, that's and you're a 
uh, such a Fire Emblem guy anyway that no matter what, I can see you grabbing it and playing it. So, well, I don't know. I wasn't a Fire Emblem guy until like the last two entries in the series. Like it was never a thing I played growing up. I didn't play it until 3DS. Oh, I thought you did. No, never. Like I, I tried it and I hated those games. Like I did not okay. like the permadeath. I was never a fan oh, of them. Okay. They were just like brutally difficult, and the stories were bare bones. And it was basically just like units fighting each other for no really yeah. interesting reason. But then once they got to okay. Awakening, they put in all of these like relationship mechanics that actually let you have characters that interact with one another, you know, friendships and relationships yeah. and all of that. And like, that's the core of the game for me is like building up my units so that they can interact and become friends and like have all of these side dialogues between missions. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I just thought that you had liked all of the stuff before it too, and that just made it better. No, I didn't play until they got rid of permadeath. I, I hate permadeath. Okay. Um, yeah, it's stupid. For the most part. There are some exceptions in gaming, but definitely not in Fire Emblem. Yeah, that's understandable. In strategy games especially, because I go back and I play them and die a lot. My characters die a bunch in strategy games. Yeah, so that's no fun for that one. Yeah. Yeah, but I mean, yeah, so we've just been playing a bunch of demos. You said that you've been playing some 3DS ones too, right? Yeah, I I loved the uh, Pokemon special demo. I haven't played it in a while, but the when they did a demo of a uh, for Omega Ruby and Alpha Sapphire where you downloaded it and you got extra items in a Pokemon that you couldn't get in the main game by going through this demo where it was kind of a tech demo and and uh, just a a bonus. I loved that kind of demo because it really did get me to play the game uh because my friends were wanting to play it and I wasn't sure if I was really going to like it. I downloaded the Kirby Planet Robobot demo that I've played through multiple times. It's just awesome. Uh, the Smash Brothers 3DS demo proved to me that I really just don't like Smash Brothers. That no matter what I do, no matter what system it is, no matter how good I hear that they are, just don't like them. And uh, then even yesterday, I went back and started playing the Kingdom Hearts Dream Drop Distance 3DS game because it's cheaper or demo because it's cheaper than the PS4 uh, Kingdom Hearts 2.8 version that's in HD, but it uses the touchscreen for controls. So I am totally, which is why I like demos because I went back and tried it and realized, nope, even though I have this as a handheld, I'm going to. I'm going to have to pay and then do the remote play for the uh, for the Vita to the PS4 because touchscreen controls are still doo-doo. Well, like, at least you find things out like that. I mean, that is one of the positive yeah. things that I do like about demos, especially if they're multi-platform games where I'm not quite sure which platform I want to play it on. Yeah, Like, to exactly. actually physically play the game and to get the feel of the mechanics on two different platforms just really quickly, even if you only spend, like, 10 minutes with each one, you mm -hmm. usually come out with a feeling of, like, oh, okay, I'm going to get this on PC or I'm going to get this on whatever, you know, and make a decision yeah. that way. And generally, the only kind of demos that I don't like are timed demos that I don't like it when they say, oh, you have 15 minutes each play session that you can play this and then it doesn't save. Those are the ones that whenever that happens, that it puts me off of the company and that title for a while, because if you're not willing to let me play the demo and at least a certain set amount of content, 
if you just if you are straight up limiting me that instead of putting any thought into it i get really irritated and like the kingdom hearts one has a certain number of times you can load and play the demo it's like 30 times that you can load that demo up and play through it so i mean that's fine if you play through a demo more than 30 times you really probably should just go buy the game or like beg your parents for it because you're nine probably one of those things yes um yeah, and like I mentioned before, like Switch demos, I think those are in a really good place overall. Yeah. Um, because I've actually, I've been sold on a couple games because of those, which I haven't been able to really say for other platforms lately. Yeah. So I, I tried the Pokemon Tournament DX demo just to see what it was about, and my kids got some fun out of that for a few days because they love Pokemon. I'm not going to get that game right. because I'm not a huge fan of fighting games, and I don't know. It, it is what it is. But it was fun to like play around with for a day or two. But then I tried the Rayman Legends Definitive Edition demo, and Rayman Legends has now been ported to like every system. I want to say it's been around since like Xbox 360 and PS3, maybe for the very first version. Seems of like it. it, yeah. And I, I don't know. I just never really clicked with Rayman, but my kids saw that one. My daughter really wanted to play it because she likes platforming games like I do. And I was like, yeah, sure, I'll grab the demo. It's free, whatever, no big deal. And watching them play it, I was like, oh, it's a different kind of platformer than I normally play, but it's good yeah. if I accept it for what it is instead of comparing it to like Mario or Donkey Kong. You know, it has a totally different feel to it because it has like attacks yeah. and things and it doesn't move quite as fast or quite as responsive. But if you can get your head around it, it's still a really good platforming game, especially because they yeah. have some of these like rhythm music levels that are super cool. Like that's what made me excited for it. So I went and I picked up Rayman Legends and my daughter yeah. and I and my son, we've all been playing it and kind of jumping in and out and doing sometimes one player, sometimes up to three players. But that's one where the demo sold me on the game. And I get sold on games all the time that demos are, are a lot of the way. But like I said, that's just how I do. I don't want to purchase something without having that hands-on time and i like platformers that do weird things like that so maybe i need to go search out a rayman legends demo on like ps4 or something because that sounds great i know that's kind of what made my wife i'm going to talk about my geekery is playing donkey kong and just because of the the different style of platforming that whenever she tried it it was like oh yeah i'm gonna play this and uh has been going through it where just just the attempt at it uh has sold her on that and the same for me with different kind of games yeah and i mean i guess the other one for switch for me was the project octopath traveler demo that we talked about a bunch the other week like i don't have a whole lot of other thoughts on top of what i said in the other episode except that i liked it a lot and it sold me on the game so like that's a successful demo and i mean the other thing that we've kind of been talking around is that like i've been making you know gamefly my demos essentially yeah so I haven't been talking about these in Geekery, but I've been playing them solidly for the last like month, month and a half, maybe, maybe even getting close to two yeah. months now. Because like you say that you I and I know that this is just like where you're coming from with games. Like you usually want hands on time, you want to get a feel for it before you know if you're gonna buy a yep. game. I'm pretty good at knowing myself and knowing what I'm going to like so that I can d- read a couple previews and I can watch a couple seconds of gameplay footage and be like, this game's for me or this game's not for me. And yeah. Gamefly are the games where I think they're probably not for me, but there's just enough something interesting about them that I really do need some hands-on time. So all of these games that I've tried are in that, yeah, they're kind of fine, but I don't think I really want to take the yeah. time to play them. So... I tried 
Injustice 2, uh, the Mega Man Legacy Collection 2, Yakuza 0, Kingdom Hearts HD 2.8 Final Prologue, the one that you <laughs> talked about the other week, um, Monster Hunter Stories, Marvel vs. Capcom Infinite, Agents of Mayhem, Gravity Rush 2, Near Automata, 1-2 Switch, Ever Oasis. Like, all of those games in the last, like, month and a half here. And all of them were yep. fine. None of them were bad, but none of them were, like, great. And I have a bunch of great games just waiting for me to play or that I'm in the middle of. So, I, I don't know. It's you know that's kind of what i need demos for for where i'm at with gaming like i don't need to know if a game is bad or good i can tell that on my own i need to know these borderline ones where i have trouble telling yeah. by like the pre-release footage or even post-release you know yeah and i mean that's one of the ways that we differ is because you keep up with it like you see what is coming out when it's coming out everything all the time that you are i would not doubt it that you have a calendar marked with releases somewhere and uh or that you just keep up with it in your mind um it's a little but you you know all of this stuff i do so you're aware of it for me i just so because i'm not so in grained in that like invested in that particular aspect of it that i like really good stuff i know what i like that whenever i run across one it's like oh i didn't know that was out yet and i grab it or yeah even if it is kind of a maybe for me i'll pick it up and try it like i actually did go try for the injustice 2 demo the other day and there's not one because I had uh, my friend was wanting to play it because he had just finished the Marvel versus Capcom demo. And I was like, yeah, I like the first Injustice enough. Let's see if how they change this one, if this one will be worth getting. And it didn't exist. And I'm like, that's the kind of thing that gets on my nerves a lot is because I wanted to try it. I wanted to see if it was something that I would like because I know a lot of the changes they've made. And yeah. it's like, I why don't you do that? It's not that... I mean, I know it's hard. Don't get me wrong. I, I realize that the the programming and, and development time then, and cost of doing it may not turn a, a good ROI for them, but it's really frustrating at times for things like that for me because of the way that I approach stuff. And like 1-2-Switch, where uh, like I basically used uh, my friend's house as a demo for that because, like you said, it's a party game and it's a full full release and... I didn't think it was worth picking up. I mean, it's good, it's fun, it's silly, but it doesn't have, like, we play replay, replayability, and I could have gathered that from a demo of about four of the games. Yeah, I can, I mean, I can see from a business perspective why you might not want to do a demo before your game is out. Like, if you just can uh -huh. build enough hype through media and pre-release content and get people to, you know, get the pre-order in, buy the game on day one, be part of the conversation... I get that. Like, I, I can see yep. that even if, you know, for us, like, we'd rather have a demo for every game, but that's not going to ever happen. <laughs> yeah, um, it won't. The thing that I wish they would do more, and I know it's just not the way a development cycle usually works, but I wish there were more demos, like, a week or two after a game came out. Because if you haven't yeah. bought it by then, none of the hype, none of the release marketing, none of the, like, you know, pre-release content got you. So... Yes. Maybe by then you could pick up people with a demo, whereas if you release one before a game comes out, you have a chance of losing people you might have otherwise gotten to buy. But that's just kind of like the business side of it. Those people are me. 
I'm the ones who I'm in that group of I generally don't buy immediately because I want to try it later. And I've felt that with Destiny, that Destiny 2, I honestly wish I had waited on because and waited until I did like the first one because I've kind of lost interest in it now. And that makes me really sad. But like we had talked about, I think a little bit last week or I don't know if it was just us like I tried it i had my fun realized that that kind of game probably isn't for me in the long run but i'm out 60 dollars to find that rather than 60 gigabytes yeah yeah i mean but like you said we're coming at it from very different perspectives one of the things that you and i did talk about when we're getting ready for this episode is that both of us do steam refunds though because like it's not really a demo but sometimes there's (laughs) games that are borderline and it's yes. a weird PC game, and you just don't know. So I pick it up anyway, because I know that now I can return it. And uh-huh. I, I don't even remember off the top of my head what games I've done that with lately, except that I know I've done it probably two or three times in the last, like, three or four months, you know? So that, that, and that's probably average. I probably do a Steam refund once every, like, couple months, and then I get the yeah. money back, and I put it right back into Steam. So it's not like they're losing money. Yeah, and that's that's kind of the way I do it. I haven't done it late. The, lately, the newest one that I've done for Steam refunds has been Sonic Mania. That uh, you went crazy for it. The internet went crazy for it. I knew that I may not go crazy for it. So I waited on the Steam release and demoed it by buying it, and... Did a few of the levels, went through. Like, it was exactly what you guys said it was. It was a really good Sonic game. It was Sonic. I just don't think I like Sonic anymore. So I played it for a little bit and realized that, no, I'm not going to be coming back to this day after day after day and got my refund for it. The same thing happened with Portal Knights because it's another building game like Minecraft that I think I'm going to like and then don't. And uh, I remember doing it with, I think, Borderlands or Borderlands 2. Uh, It's a shooter. And BJ just can't stick around with most shooters. So I did a Steam refund for it, too. Yeah, usually for me, it's either a 4X game because it's like you and building (laughs) games where I think I'll like it and I should like it and I never do. And if it's not that, it's some kind of indie game that I just took a chance on and it just wasn't anything like I hoped it would be, which is fine because for every one of those, I find I stumble on an indie gem that I absolutely love, you know, like Subsurface Circular. Like that was one that was only a couple bucks and I probably used some steam refund money to actually buy that one. So there, there are trade-offs when you get into that like indie steam game scene. So yeah, wrap up thoughts about demos, the modern state of demos. How are we feeling about it? Cause I guess overall for me, I just, I wish there were more demos so that I didn't need to do Gamefly as much to make up for lack of demos. And that's kind of the way I am too. And if they don't do demos, I want more because that's something that I just love. I actually like having a lot on my consoles. And part of that is for me because like right now, I've still got like the Rise of the Tomb Raider demo that we haven't played uh, just to see if that's something we want to purchase. But I also like having them for my nephew because he'll come over and he's not a big gamer, but I've kept Lego demos on my ps3 for a while like marvel superheroes and marvel or lego avengers and lego batman just to have the kids something to play whenever they come over because generally uh the kids who don't care about video games that much just want to play something they go around in a level they don't understand they can't beat it as quickly as you or me or a, a real gamer kid so i keep stuff like that and i wish there were just more demos like that where i could go try them out and keep them 
for uh for the younger kids who come around. But yeah, I just wish there were more of them. I don't know. You can just you could that's uh, a fine thought to finish on. Yep. But you wish there were yeah, more because I mean I, we, I think we both kind of feel the same way. Um, okay. Yeah. Well, let's dive into the geeky offer of the week. This week we have GameFly because how can we not after talking about demos and GameFly for so long? That is very true. Um, and I get so much utility out of it. So if you go to GameFlyOffer.com/geek. You can get uh, one month of Gamefly for free on us, and it helps the podcast, and you get that. I mean, it's cool. I, I like it a lot. It's a good rental service. You know, it just sends it to you in the mail, and you hold on to it for however long you want, which, if you're like me, is about an hour. If you're like a normal person, it's probably a couple days to actually play the game. And one of the other things they have that I don't mention a whole lot, because... Like I said, most of the time I'm trying game then immediately sending it back. But if you are someone who does physical media, Gamefly lets you keep games after they send them to you and you get them at a discounted rate. So like any game they ship to you, you get it at your house, you play for a couple of days and you decide that you want it. There's a little button in your account that just says keep it and they'll mail you like the case and the game manual and that kind of stuff too. And it's not for full price because it's been used. So all of that, I like Gamefly. It's a cool system, a cool service that is. Um, Gameflyoffer.com slash geek if you want to try it out. And with that, it's time for Weekly Geekery where we geek out about what we've been geeking out about this week i can't do transitions today but that's okay that happens sometimes apparently i can't do words so it's okay it's all good they can't all be winners um (laughs) what did you do this week because i know you did more kingdom hearts (laughs) i did i played a lot of kingdom hearts actually the uh, i beat birth by sleep i went through all three there are um i beat birth by sleep and there are three different characters and each of them take between six and ten hours to beat their respective storyline and they line up there's like a timeline on it where they line up uh at different points and they go through the worlds in slightly different orders and all of the worlds have different areas based on which character you're in so it, it while it feels minorly repetitive it is still fresh content every time you go through um it is awesome it is probably my favorite kingdom hearts game that i've played so far i thought that the first 30 minutes of it was kind of poopy uh, because it was a very bland tutorial about characters i cared zero about and then i moved into like the snow white area called the dwarf woodlands and it was bland and ugly and i just had to search for some dwarves in a mine i'm like ugh. This is terrible. And immediately after that, whenever I logged back in, I pushed through the sn- that early Snow White level, which probably took all the 40 minutes total, if that. And uh, the game just opened up and became just totally fantastic. And one of the reasons I think I like it is because this is a really, really dark story. That uh, the entire story is based around the darkness inside one character and how he is basically Anakin Skywalker. That I don't know if you remember the uh, the characters well enough in Kingdom Hearts, but the the one of the main bad guys, the main bad guy's named Xehanort. Do you remember him? Mm, that sounds vaguely familiar. Sure. But he's basically the emperor, and he's corrupting one of these three main characters. And so you you play the bad guy going through. Like one of these is instead of teaming up with Peter Pan, you team up with Captain Hook. You team up with Maleficent, and all of your uh, you have these things called dimension links, these D links, where you call in help from different Disney characters and uh, stuff like that. And he gets all of the villains instead of all of the he he gets uh, Maleficent 
Maleficent as a and her dragon instead of Mickey Mouse, and oh, it's just cool. really really cool. And at one point, there's a really dark turn toward the end of the game that starts off the very uh, the very final series of battles, where when it happens, you're like. That's real dark for a game with Disney characters in it. Like that's that's not where you expect Kingdom Hearts to go. And yeah, this story is kind of still like super anime and almost uh, incomprehensible in most ways. It's very very well done. And Aqua, the uh, the mage character, the one who you play as in the fragmentary passage that's on two point eight is probably one of the most fun and powerful action RPG uh, heroes I've ever played. That she is fantastically fun to play. That's that, cool. Uh, I just... I just love this game that I've I unlocked everything except the fine. Well, I haven't unlocked everything, but you even have to collect certain things to get an extra episode that opens up if you have all of the stuff across three saves. And uh, I played it last night before I went to bed and I stayed up late with my Vita in bed playing this to go through the extra areas. And it's just it's just super good. Like. There's the only thing I didn't get was the special secret ending called like blank page or you know how they do with naming and yeah. it's blank something that's not so normal as blank page and um, I'm not going to go through enough to do it but I do think I'm going to go back to this game and try to get some of the trophies on it for um, for the PlayStation just to have them and it's I don't do that so that's that's, cool. high, that's high praise for this game I'm glad you found one that you like after like getting into yeah. Kingdom Hearts mode I more really want to talk about the next one on your list because it is the Kingdom Hearts game that broke me it's terrible uh rechain of memory is really terrible and i stopped playing it this morning i put in i think 46 minutes on it overall and i bounced off okay so it came out after kingdom hearts okay i can't remember did it come out after kingdom hearts 2 the original one on game boy advance this one came out on game boy advance and it was after kingdom hearts i want to say but before kingdom hearts 2 it might have been after both okay. of the main ones actually that's what i thought yeah. because it's a bridge between one and two yes and so it's something like that they either released it before two to lead into it or they released it after two to bridge the gap but it is yeah. a card-based action game and yes, I think this is where my current dislike of the Kingdom Hearts series really has its start was <laughs> with this game because I loved the first Kingdom Hearts game and I really liked the so second good. Kingdom Hearts game. And then so good. they started doing spinoffs and I thought they would be of the same quality. And this is the spinoff game that I actually finished. Like I you played, finished this. I have beaten this game. I beat it on my Game Boy Advance way back in the day oh my god it back is back in the day i still have my gba copy of it and i've thought about pulling it out just to see how how far i can get into it this time i hated it when it came out and even the 3d remake i thought would make it better and it does not it is still bad the card-based combat is not good that watch all the stuff on youtube read about it if you really care about the story well it's but not even one, it's not card-based combat it's like the cards are your actions in a hack and slash yes. action game and so you have to yeah. build decks of actions it's really weird and this is also where the story started to go off the rails but it's kind <laughs> of 
a slow going off the rails. Whereas if you pick up a Kingdom Hearts yeah. spinoff game right now, you know what you're getting in for. Like, you know that it is completely yeah. bonkers. But at the time, this was actually trying to tie two main the two mainline stories together. So I thought it would be cohesive, which is why I fought through it to get the whole story. Yeah. And I did not fight through it because of the gameplay. I beat this game because I wanted the story linking the two games that I already loved. Mm -hmm. And this game just broke me. Like, this is why I feel how I do right now about Kingdom Hearts. I think this is the worst Kingdom Hearts game that they've made. No question. And it's definitely the worst one that I've played. Uh, But I think it is the worst one. And one of the reasons I think it works so poorly in... uh, 3d is because you still go it's an action rpg i mean it's still kingdom hearts it's still that like upgraded zelda combat is the way i've always looked at it and you have this press a button you do this you have menu you have kingdom hearts combat but with this with the cards being your commands you in the gba game it brought you into a new area where you fought because it's a game boy advance it still brings you into a battle arena where there are times where you can't swing your sword because another attack is going on. Like you've summoned something or you've summoned Donald to come help you. And in the 3D area, he's running around like zapping people and you can't swing your sword because you don't have access to your cards. That's terrible gameplay. That's not fun. And it made me bounce off of it this morning. As of this recording, I immediately went and loaded up Kingdom Hearts 2 on the disc instead because I'm I'm not fighting through it. But there is one single good thing that happened in it that I'm glad that I started it uh, because you play it in Castle Oblivion. That's the place where you're playing it. You you see about it a bunch in, uh, in Kingdom Hearts and Kingdom Hearts 2 and you see Castle Oblivion get made in Birth by Sleep. You see how it all came to be and why it's so weird and why you get lost in this maze of rooms that your memories are stolen. And at the end of Kingdom Hearts Birth by Sleep, you see it because it's a prequel. And uh, just immediately going from one into the other, I was like, oh, that part makes sense. And it was really cool. And that's the only positive thing I can say about this game. Just just go on to something else. Go to Birth by Sleep and start it with by playing Ventus's uh area and he is the Sora one but if you can go through and go through his and really an hour or so it gets so much better I don't know why they made the beginning of that game as lackluster as it is because it is it turned out to be probably my favorite one in the series and now I can't wait to get to dream drop distance after seeing the remake and uh, knowing how cool it gets cool well, I'm glad you're liking Kingdom Hearts very much and uh, in the same vein I've we bought the Disney afternoon collection last week or the week before uh, when it was on sale. And uh, we've been playing like old NES games like DuckTales, DuckTales 2, Chippendale, Darkwing Duck. These games are hard, y'all. Have you have you played this collection or any of those old uh, NES games in a long time? Uh, I haven't played the collection, but I did play most of those games as a kid and they were hard. But, you know, you just keep at it and beat them. I beat them all as a kid. If I could beat them as a kid, you can beat them as an adult. I don't think I can. That's the thing. I don't think I can. I think that that as kids, we're trained to play these incredibly unforgiving games because that's what kind of games we were given. And now my soul is destroyed. And they gave us a rewind button that if you press L1, then it rewinds the game for you that uh, if 
you die, you take a hit, you can press and just immediately rewind it because otherwise people would get so frustrated at this game that they, oh man, they are so unforgiving. It's fun unforgiving. You're right. You're absolutely right. It really is. And uh, but, and my wife is finally having a really good time with like old Nintendo games, like Nintendo retro gaming only because of the rewind button because otherwise it was so frustrating. It would be like way too frustrating for somebody who's coming into gaming now to go back and play some of these actual original NES games. And I mean, speaking of, she's picked up Donkey Kong Country Tropical Freeze. Mentioned that earlier. It's great. She's losing her mind on playing this game, and she is so frustrated at platforming because she is not good at platforming. I mean, I've talked before about how we had to stop playing uh, New Super Mario Brothers Wii together because I would just pick her up and carry her to the end of the level and uh, things like that. Like we were not allowed. We are not allowed to play platform games together anymore. Because I'm really good at them and she is not. Because she didn't grow up with them. I mean, it's totally normal. It's a skill that you get. And Tropical Freeze is a different kind of platformer. It's not like Mario. There are all these tools you get. We got Dixie and uh, Donkey, or Dixie and Diddy and Cranky Kong to help you out. You get a rhinoceros to ride. There's all these cool things during the levels to do. And you can go to Funky Kong's store and buy as many one-up life balloons as you possibly can with the uh, coins that you get during the levels so at generally any given time she has around 25 to 30 lives that she's bought and just goes in and and just barrels forward and plows through it until she gets better at it and it is so much fun to watch her play this game and to be sitting there playing kingdom hearts or doing whatever i'm doing on my phone and just hear her just and i'm like jadigan she's like yeah and uh it's just it it's perfect like i love it so much she was and i love donkey kong country when it came out like i've talked to you about when we did one of our old episodes about having the vhs tape i watched of all the donkey kong country stuff with the pre-release from nintendo power that i went all in on it so to see her fall in love with a game that when i was a kid meant a lot to me was just like i understand why you love donkey kong so much like that's awesome it's like I'm I'm beating my chest in solidarity right now, and y'all can't see it. It's like yeah, that's a fun series when you can get into it. If you want good. a challenging yeah. but really solid platformer, Donkey Kong and they're Country. Hard. Yeah, they are hard, but they're like really uh, good. So I hope they do yeah. one for the Switch soon because I would be all about I do that. Too. Yeah. Um, my geekery this week. Uh, have you been keeping up with the SNES Classic news? I have not. I've seen a few people tweet about it, but that's it. Yeah, so it came out, and by all accounts, it's not as much of a cluster as it was last year. The scalper prices are not nearly as high. But that being said, I am a working adult with a full-time job this year, whereas last year, I was a working adult that was a freelancer, and I had more options. Right. So I managed to get the NES, even though it took me some tries last year. I have not gotten Mm -hmm. an SNES yet, which is sad for me. Um but I hope to get one. It sounds like supplies are going to be coming. Like the second wave should be coming soon. So I'll report back. I hope that I get one sometime this holiday season. But it sounds like Nintendo's making a lot more of them, which bodes well. Yeah, that's awesome then because I hadn't heard a lot about it. I saw a headline that basically said Amazon is still your only bet at getting one. 
and that's and people complaining that oh I don't know why there's such the issue with this you know we Nintendo shouldn't do this they should expect it and I don't need this because I've got emulators which are all valid but it's the same thing that happened with the NES so I've just kind of tuned it out yeah I mean Nintendo could never quite get their supply and demand right with any hardware ever so it's not surprising but I don't know I, I'm it launched I'm so excited for it I hope to get one soon um one yeah. thing that I did this week so I'm on an iPhone 6 still, and I know I mentioned the other week that I upgraded to iOS 11. Well, one of the reasons that I did that was because my phone battery has slowly been getting, like, worse and, like, noticeably worse in the last month or so, and about a a week before um, iOS 11 hit, it started getting really bad to the point where, like, it would hang out at, like, 90% most of the day, and then I would glance at it, and it would suddenly be at 60%. And then it oh. would be at that for a while, and then it would just shut off because it would be at zero percent. Like oh, the goodness. phone had no idea what the battery was doing anymore, which happens. Like that just happens with lithium ion batteries over time, and yep. it's the nature of it. So um, I was hoping that maybe the new I like uh, OS would help it, maybe. Uh-huh. Which was I know an outside hope, so it didn't, which isn't surprising. Uh. Um. But I went and I got my phone battery replaced, and that was cool to watch because now that I've watched it once, I can definitely do that on my own. All I need to do is actually buy the battery next time instead of paying somebody else to do it, which is why I went to a third-party vendor instead of going to Apple because Apple would just take it to the back room and disappear. Take it it. to the back and do it. So this guy, I got to watch him do it, and I was like, oh, I could totally do that next time. Um, No big deal. But one of the side effects of getting the battery fixed in my phone or getting the battery swapped for a new one in my phone is that it is blazing fast. Like... I'm still on an iPhone 6, and it feels like brand new again because it's so fast with the battery. Yeah, I mean, it just must be like power draw, power drain issues that happen over time with the battery going out on you. So It might be, yeah. It already felt slightly faster when I upgraded to iOS 11, and now it feels like it was new, you know? It's, It's amazing. Nice. So, yeah. I don't need to upgrade phones anytime soon, and I don't want to anyway because I use my headphone jack, my aux port, all the time. So like, you know, that uh, we were talking about that, like the aux port on it. And I got uh, it bit me in the tail yesterday. I was working at Starbucks and I forgot my adapter and I couldn't listen to the music on my phone. And my my laptop wasn't uh, working with uh, Spotify because the Internet was uh, weird there. And I was going to load it on LTE and I couldn't. And I was like, man, but I have been looking at the Note 8 as something uh, to upgrade to because of the extra the extra screens space on it and i really love android and i'm I'm super tempted yeah i'm i'm too invested in ios in terms of like the app store and what i use and muscle memory of all my apps and stuff um but at this point to get me to upgrade either my phone would have to break beyond repair or they would just need to release a new iphone with slightly better battery life and a new aux port and i would buy it like that's all that i even Mm. care about anymore the phone is good enough like Give me an incremental processor increase, more battery life, and keep that aux port in there. And like, yeah, I'll probably uh, upgrade to it at some point. But they they take stuff away now, which is sad. Yeah, like none of the and it's silly. none of the iPhone eight, none of the iPhone X stuff. No, I mean, okay, the AR is kind of interesting, but it's not like something I'm going to use all day every day. So it's not actually that important. And everything else was just like, oh, okay, that's really yeah, that's your big push. It's kind of surprising. Yeah, exactly. 
Yeah. And the main thing that I'm looking at the Note 8s for right now is the extra screen space and that I can split screen it because of some of the work that I do. I've actually found a lot more work that I'm doing on my phone for research as I move stuff in and I'm drafting on my phone more. Uh, and I like that. I really do. And the Note 8 would be a much better option in some ways. Uh, but yeah, you're absolutely right. Uh, and it has an aux port, so there's also that. Okay, so one more nitpick for Weekly Geekery before I get on to some good games that I really liked this last right. week. Final Fantasy XV announced more extra story content, but this time instead of being like DLC for side stories for characters, which, you know, like I said, I don't know if I'm ever going to play. I'm not a huge fan of, but I understand why they make it. Like, you know, live and let live. This, they actually right. went back into the main storyline in Chapter 12 and they patched in more story. And huh. it's like, I probably shouldn't feel mad about this. I shouldn't feel bad. It's free content that they're adding to my game. But I do. Like, this upsets me because I bought the game on day one. I've played through it two entire times now. And you're telling me that I didn't get the actual full story. And on top of yeah. that, why are you devoting resources to this? Like most of the people who have bought this game or who are ever going to buy this game have bought it already. Like, yeah, I, I just want these resources to go to final fantasy 16, like work on the next thing. But yeah, I don't know. It's, you know, like, did you saw this announcement, well, right? How did you feel about it? No, until you, until you had it in the notes, I didn't, I didn't know this somehow. I completely missed this one too. Like, I guess it's probably from being out of town and catching up afterward, but no, I didn't know this at all. Oh, that, okay. that, and with it being chapter 12, like it's a, it's an interesting place to put in new content, but like, what story is it? I don't know. Some, some kind of greater context for the world and, I don't know exactly. I would have to go back and play it again. I'll probably end up watching it on YouTube so that I can get it without having to do that. But it's just frustrating. Yeah. yeah. Can you go back and play it once you've already beat it using the weird little dog time travel thing? No, I don't think so. I think it's part of the main story quest. Like you have to. Well, that is dookie. Yeah. Yeah, it's dumb. That's that's made of poop. Well said, I guess. Okay, but anyway, so yep, made I played two games that were really interesting this week. One is um, more interesting than like I'm. I'm not totally into it, but some of you probably will be. It's called a Heat Signature, and the best way to describe the game is that it's like a procedural space setting Hotline Miami with a persistent galaxy map and galaxy level objectives. So it's interesting. It's really, really interesting. Um, I'm not sure if it's 100% for me, but I've gone back to it a few different nights, and I plan to leave it in okay. Steam and keep going back to it. But it's like you start the game, you take over this asteroid, that's your home base, and then from that point forward, like you can grab a character and you can go pick up missions, and you can pick up different difficulty-level missions, and you can pick up like their personal story missions, and you go out into the world and you have to most of the time take over either a spaceship or another base and you have to like assault it as like a one-man army type of thing um mm. but it's kind of tactical you can go into slow-mo you can pause it you can pick up like weapons you could play stealthy if you want some of the missions are like retrieve this item some missions are take over the ship and fly the ship back here some of them are assassinate wow. this person some of them are take over this whole base so there's a variety and it's not i mean there's permadeath but there's not it's it's like a persistent world and if your character dies or gets too powerful or too like well known that they're always going to be sought after you can yeah either retire the character 
or if the character dies, it's okay. Because either way, you go back to your asteroid that functions as like your base of operations, and there's a bar there, and in the bar, there's just a bunch of characters waiting for you to pick the next one. So you oh. never lose galaxy level progress, even if you lose like that one particular character's progress, which is pretty cool. And then interesting things can happen. Like if you have a character and you get a decent place in the you know the overall story, or they do a lot for the galaxy level objectives, and you like lose them on a ship, they might not die. They might get captured. And then you go back to the bar and maybe one of their family members is at the bar. And if you take that character, their personal mission will be to retrieve your old character. Stuff like that. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. So it's that's a really, good idea. really interesting. If you like space setting and you were a fan of like Hotline Miami-ish gameplay, it's not exactly the same, but it's kind of in that vein. Um, this one might be for you. So it's worth taking a look at. That sounds neat. Yeah, I'll definitely look at that. The other one that I played and I have been playing and I played a ton of is Golf Story. And <laughs> yeah, it is a golf RPG, kind of like <laughs> those old Mario. There might have only been one, but there was like a Mario golf game at one point that was more RPG yep. than golf game. This game is like a descendant of that. And wow, sometimes it's really funny. It has solid mechanics all the way through. I've been having a ton of fun with it. I don't know. It's just it's good and it's fun. And I keep going back to it night after night. And I thought that I had hit a game-breaking bug, and then somebody online told me, no, you're probably just not looking at the right spot. So what I found out is that there is a bug in this game that you can run into that was similar to the what I was experiencing, but what I had done inadvertently is that I sequence broke the game, which you know what that means, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, so I sequence broke the game by accident, and I eventually figured out a way to recover it. <laughs> and like get it wow. back in line but as of right now the game is kind of buggy like i ran into a bunch of places in the story where like i would get like stuck in a wall or like a mission wouldn't quite work and all it would take would be like shut right. off the game bring the game back up and i would lose maybe a minute of progress it was no big deal right um but i have now seen enough bug reports and like other people running into weird stuff online that this is a game that i wish i could recommend 100 percent right now and I still think you should play it. I just don't know if, like, if you have other stuff to play, play that first, right? And then put this one at, like, yeah. the bottom of your list to get to. Because once those, like, bugs have been gotten rid of, this is going to be such a good game. And I already think it is. I'm still playing it, even though it's buggy. Like, I don't care. I love this game. But I, I don't know how to express why I like this game. Like, do you have any questions? Because you looked at this one, right? Well, I'm curious about the story. Like, it is a full-on role-playing game. And I'm assuming that the battle system is playing holes of golf am i right yes and no there's a very good mixture of mini challenges so like you'll talk to somebody and they'll be like oh this they'll give you some version of, it won't even really be a quest as much as like a mini objective so it might be like okay chip in the ball you know you have like 10 chances to get like five chip-ins from different places oh, around this green okay. or in this level or someone there's this one course that you kind of have to play through that has these gigantic holes but you only ever get like one shot so you have to get like a hole in one for every <laughs> shot um so there's all of these mini objectives and then there are other times where you step back and it gives you like a full nine hole course and you play through that because of something in the story so it mixes it up a lot but it is a okay. full rpg too like you get gear you have stats you level up 
you get better with your golf stats. Um, uh, you know, there's some fetch quests in the game or like item hunting. Um, the one part where I sequence broke the game, it was basically it kind of turned into like one of those games where you just have to test everything, you know, like an adventure uh, almost. It's not, it wasn't a uh -huh. point and click. It wasn't as bad as that, but you're like stuck in this one area and you have to solve the puzzle. So you have to like interact with things and figure it out in the right order and whatever. But yeah, no, it's, it's an RPG and the main mechanic in it is golf. And I guess what? one of the things huh. that it becomes nice to know is that you can literally like drop a golf ball anywhere and hit it when you're in the world. <laughs> yeah, it's like a core part of the game. Like, what's the story about? That's one of the things I'm really curious about. Like, is it a kind of a world where golf has a different function than it is no. here? Like, a fa okay, is it or it's just taking place on a golf course? No, no, it's okay. The story is. You do the tutorial and you're a little kid and your father is like teaching you about golf, like you're golfing with him on a course. And then okay. it jumps ahead 20 years and the it's the main character on the phone with his, it's kind of unclear at the beginning if it's his girlfriend or his like ex-wife, but he's like, I left you because I need to like pursue my dream of playing golf. And that's the <laughs> premise of the story. Like that's where it starts. So you're an wow. amateur who has a passion for golf that wants to go pro and it's really funny because like everybody says your swing is horrible, but for some reason it works. Like everybody makes fun of how bad of a golfer you are, but you keep winning anyway, <laughs> which is where some of the humor comes in. It has right. quirkiness to it too. Like I know I'm not a huge fan of earthbound, but some of that like earthbound ish quirky, do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, that's actually what I was going to ask that from just the sound of this, the tone sounded like earthbound. Yeah, and you're not far off there. Like, it does kind of feel like that. That's awesome. That's something that makes me want to pick it up when I get a Switch. Like, you should. It's so good. It's such a good game. Like, I've been playing this and ignoring all the other games at the moment. I hope to beat it. I think I'm probably two-thirds of the way through it, based on how many courses yeah. I can see in the overworld and how many I've actually been to. Um but maybe not. I might only be like halfway through it. I think I'm 10 or 15 hours in at this point. Okay. But yeah. It's, and it's just called Golf Story. It's just right? called Golf Story. And it's really, really good. It's really, really good. I love it. So I guess the other thing to go along with this is that Switch Indies are just killing it. I don't know if you saw, but there were like 18 Switch games released last week and almost all of them were Indies. I did not. There's another like... 10 or 15 coming out this week that are all like really really high quality indie games and like i said last week which i probably didn't give enough emphasis to because we we're kind of rushing towards the end where we were on timing but yeah steam world dig 2 is probably going to make it into like my top five for the year like i love for that real? game so much and it's it's a switch exclusive indie game right now like it's just they're so good i'm loving switch indie games and that's something that I'm really happy about because that's one of the reasons I love Steam so much is that there it's a great place for indies. And I never really got into any of the indie stuff on the 3DS or the Wii U or anything because they didn't have great exclusives or indies that I couldn't get anywhere else. But I'm hoping that the Switch does because it's just such a wonderful system. It does. It already does. Like, there's no question in my mind. So I'm loving Golf Story. Um I don't know. I'm going to keep playing it. I'll report back. If I do hit a game-breaking bug or if I beat it or whatever, I will yeah. make sure to mention it in a future episode. But for now, it's good. Take a look at it, and hopefully the bugs are gone, maybe even by the time you're hearing this. Hopefully they will be. Hopefully, yeah. 
Okay, that'll about do it for this week. Um, you can write to us with comments, suggestions, or feedback. Our email address is geek2geekcast at gmail.com or reach us on Twitter at geek2geekcast. We also have our longer discussion threads on our subreddit at reddit.com slash r slash geek2geekcast. We're on Slack too, so go to slack.geek2geekcast.com for your invite. And remember that we are also part of a podcast network, and you can go over to geek2geekcast.com to see if any of our shows tickle your fancy. And you can look at the funny description that BJ wrote for Tea Time with Katie and Chelsea, which made me laugh. Um, I blog it's at true. agreenmushroom.com. <laughs> I'm glad. And you can find me at grnmushroom. That's green mushroom without the E's on Twitter. And I'm on Twitter as at Professor Beach. That's Beach with two E's. And I blog at geekfitness.net. We've been Void and Beach with your Geek to Geek podcast. That'll do it for this week. See you next week, geeks. Demos! Comics. Hey everyone, this is Rob, your friendly neighborhood comic geek. And this is Liam, the the languishing, lascivious Liam of Langley. Wow, that was extremely illiterate of you. Well, I try. We are the hosts of the Comic Box, part of the Geek to Geek Podcast Network. So join us. Bop, bop. Oh, yeah.